0: Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and today it is the WNR 315. It's NXT Halloween Havoc. But not only that, as we catch up on the goings down in NXT. And I have the pleasure of saying I've been joined by Mind of Monty Pod. It's great to have the show today. How have you been, man? You all right?
1: Oh, right? I'm doing very good, James. Uh, just, you know, making it through uh, another week. Uh, just happy to be here, you know.
0: Well, it's great to have you on the WNR Podcast. So, the last time you were on was the last NXT TakeOver. What have your thoughts been on NXT since then?
1: Um, you know, they've been doing pretty good, you know, from uh, what I like. I, I really have enjoyed uh, NXT of the last few uh, weeks. They've been doing a great job of building on storylines and uh, leading us here. Uh, it's, you know, they have some tough, some tough competition now on Wednesday nights, so... I think they're putting their best foot forward, even though, you know, maybe it's certain nitpicky things, I could say, but not really. I think they've been doing pretty good.
0: Yeah, I think without doubt. Well, let's have a look at last week's show quickly. It was October 21st. Kushida defeated the Velting Dream and Tommaso Champa. Ember Moon defeated Jesse Kamara. Bronson Reed defeated Austin Theory. Ligala Dale Phantasma defeated Zaya Swerve Scott. Shante Fia Donis and Jake Atlas. Everise defeated Drake Maverick and Killian Dane. Casey Canzaro defeated Zia Lee and Toby Thatcher defeated Anthony Green. And the big news was the unspeakable Dira versus the NXT uh, Tag Team Champions Bree Zanga was supposed to take place. If you recall, Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong beat Bertrand Lorcan in a number one's tenor match on the show previously. However, throughout the show, Fish and Strong were attacked. NXT General Manager Winnie Regal held a backstage meeting with Carla Riley, telling him to book a title match because it was advertised, but Riley decided not to go alone. And the Birch agreed to take the spots. As expected, this match was really, really good, and this finish saw a mystery man interfere that allowed and the Birch to win the NXT Tag Team titles. The post-match, Pat McAfee revealed himself as the mystery man. He mocked the unspeakled era, and it looks like the feud with Adam Cole is continuing. What are your thoughts on Pat McAfee and a new Tag Team Champions last week?
1: Oh, man, I absolutely was uh, pleasantly surprised. It was definitely a shock. Uh, the way they did it was definitely well executed. It made what Ridge Holland did uh, at the end of the last takeover uh, that we we made that make a lot of sense. Which I think uh, at Halloween have it where we will get into uh, more of that. But also, uh, you know, it was just it's just a great thing because Danny Burch and Owen Larkin are guys, in my opinion, who've been looked not necessarily overlooked in NXT because they've had time, you know moments at times to showcase what they can do, especially in the ring, but they have so much more that they could bring. And it's just, I think they're perfect for this tag team title position. I wasn't expecting it to be in a heel way though. So it was definitely a great turn and uh, effective. It's kind of, it's kind of cool also to see the Undisputed Era or Kyle O'Reilly in this point. uh, I mean, or the whole Undisputed Era in general at this point, because, you Know they have done all of the dastardly and you know, and uh, sticking together and turning on people. You know, they uh, they have done it, and now it's the shoe is on the other foot, and that's always a nice uh, you know, element to explore in pro wrestling.
0: Yeah, I think you're back on there, like I said, with Lorcan and Birch. Maybe they need a little bit more personality, and I think Pat McAfee is going to add that. It's a great position to be in, and like I said, the unspeakable deal now as faces, but like I said, on to Havoc, and here's the card that was going to be spin the wheel, make the deal, and. American title match: Johnny Gargano versus Damian Priest. Another spinner will make the deal. The NXT Women's title match: Candice LeRae and Haunted House of Terror match: Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Lumis. Non-title match: Shikouzrae champ Santos Escobar versus Jake Atlas. Ray Ripley versus Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, and of course, our host was Shotzi Blackheart. Um, should this have been a takeover? And what were your expectations for the event before it started?
1: Uh, my expectations were high just based off the fact that they named it Halloween Havoc. Uh, I think even though uh, it has been a while since the last Halloween Havoc has ever uh been, you know, aired or, or in that, th- I forgot what the exact number, but it's been a while uh, since. Uh, I think it's one of those cult classic WCW brands that if you're a wrestling fan, especially a wrestling of uh, a uh, uh, fan of, of the late 90s you, you, or just WCW in general, you know about the Halloween having brand. So I think they had to bring it based on that. Now as far as the card being strong enough for a takeover, it definitely pales in comparison uh, uh, to, mo- to like some of the stack takeovers that we have experienced. I think it's definitely more of a just a really, really exciting episode of NXT instead of being a takeover, per se. But, uh, you know, having the big championship match uh, to start it off and to finish it uh, definitely made this not your ordinary NXT show.
0: Yeah, I think without a shadow of a doubt. Well, we get a creepy intro, and then our host, Shotzi Blackheart, literally makes the sparks fly from an electric chair by the wheel. And what's supposed to be one of the four costume changes for the night is a frankenstein get-up. To start, uh, the thoughts on the intro, well, it's been 20 years and what a way to set the tone for Halloween Havoc. I thought Shotzi was great and the opening video uh, was creepy and what we did, the set uh, I was impressed by and I loved the orange ropes as well. What were your thoughts when you first saw the set of Halloween Havoc? Did you think, good, they've this?
1: Yeah, I love the, the, the aesthetic. I think it, it did a really good job of, of capturing, like you said, that creepiness, that, the Halloween feel uh, and Shashi was a perfect host. She set the tone and, and every outfit change fit what she was doing at the time. And it made sense. I really think that they nailed the, uh, her presentation, her presentation, uh while, uh, you know, the pay-per-view or the show was going on. It was definitely great. I liked the, uh, inflatable, uh, pumpkin, uh, that I think Johnny got rid of really pretty quick, really quick. I think if I remember it right. But, uh, yeah, uh, I liked it. It was a nice touch. At, you know, uh, I know what they were going for. And I think also within the circumstances, now, does it compare to uh, some better sets you've seen? Probably not. But within the circumstances of being in the CWC, uh, it being still uh, uh, us being in a pandemic, I think they did really good with this set.
0: I think without a shadow of a doubt. And we get on to the action. The first match was Johnny Gagano versus Damien Priest for the North American title. How do we get here? Well, at least two men know each other very well. Priest won the North American title at TakeOver 30 and allowed a match involving Johnny and, of course, beat him at TakeOver 31. Uh, what are our thoughts on Hill Gagano, the story he's going with, and just trying to win both championships. And what are your thoughts on Damien Priest? Do you think he's improving as a good guy?
1: Uh, definitely. I, I believe... Uh... His presence—he feels more like a like a star. Like I think uh, earlier in his when he was uh, the Damian Priest character, he was definitely doing a good job of getting heat, but it was he didn't really feel special. It was the Baron Corbin comparison. I think since he's turned babyface, you're disrespecting him if you name him, if you compare him to Baron Corbin. He's not that dry to me. Or King Corbin, he's not that dry to me as King Corbin's character comes off as sometimes. I think he has shown in his look and the the entrance was beautiful uh, for this match. And he just looked like a superstar. Not only a rock uh, rock star, but definitely, uh, like he looked like somebody that WWE can put on some of their bigger stages and bigger set pieces in the future. Like, I think uh, he's definitely coming to his own uh, since turning babyface.
0: Well, I was about to say, the entrances were absolute fire, weren't they? Priest looked like a star. I, I am going to take the words out of your mouth. He just, the, the whole presentation we get a, a live uh, Axeman playing the Archer of Infamy in for the, uh, the first match. I wasn't too sure about the pumpkin. It wasn't maybe as well made as WWE ones. And then like you said, as soon as Johnny came out and popped it, I thought, <laughs> no, right, there you go, save an expense then. <laughs> uh, Johnny, you know, they they
1: went a little cheap <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it pays the bills. So you don't want to spend too much. Well, Johnny was dressed as Beetlejuice, and we had the will make the deal. Uh, Shotzi spins it, and it's a Devil's Playground match, which is no DQ pinfalls count anywhere. And we got onto the action. Gagano fights his way free, takes out the champ's knee, and sends him into the ring steps. The challenger goes under the ring, grabs a kendo stick. By the time he gets to Priest, the archer has his nightstick. They swing on each other as we go to an ad break. Well, it's picture in picture, but unfortunately in the UK, it is just an ab break. Get back. Priest stumbles back to the ring where he gets his nightstick back blasts Johnny with it on the apron the champ hits south of heaven but Gagana kicks out the back to the outside where Johnny counters an attempt to send him into the uh, fence pexiglass then he hits a slice of bread on the steps now we know Damien Priest has got history on those stairs don't we <laughs> so
1: oh, <man>. painful history
0: <laughs> uh, imagine man, I
1: don't really, you know tough, man. that's all I want say. comforting me that was a couple of bumps that I don't know if I would I agree to take <laughs>
0: Well, it was like we had that and Priest managed to get the shoulder up after the pinfall attempt. He then comes back and slams Gagano on the announce table with the broken arrow, which the announce table did not move on that one. They brought <laughs> they brought through the graveyard and when the skeleton pops out the coffin, Johnny superkicks it, which I think was really fun. He then uses the fire extinguisher and sends the champion to load Bay door, slams a world crate full of rubbish into him as we go to another break. When we return, the champ is in control. Gagano is trying to escape the set. Johnny gets control, beats down Priest with a metal trash can, but takes a moment to yell at the Will. Again, really, really nice moment. Uh, and then as he's on the stage, he um, sets up for the reckoning. But then someone in a green Reaper costume appears with a steel bar. is attack but Damien down, and Johnny uses the wheel to run up for a DDT. The Reaper's back and has a Gagano tombstone, which Johnny blasts the champ with, knocking him down to the floor. Johnny crawls in for the cover. One, two, three, we have a new champion. I thought the closing sequence with Johnny, the way he interacted with the, the will, and the bump Priest took onto there looked like it killed him. I thought I was really, really impressed with the closing sequence.
1: Oh, yeah, I agree. They, uh, I, If it was one thing I knew, it man, it, they did everything they could to make sure Priest lost in a strong way. Like he definitely didn't look weak losing. Like he that was a crazy bump towards the end. And not only with the interference of, like you said, the Grim Reaper or whatever. Uh it, it was just great. I, I really, really uh loved how this match. Johnny's obsession with the wheel and overall demeanor throughout this match <laughs> is just hilarious and great. Like he 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 killed his role in this match. But I do have to say what a nightmare this match was. As a Damien Priest fan, man, that, was yeah. nice. that ending was a nightmare for me. I was not ready for Priest, uh reign to end. I will definitely say that.
0: It's a shame that it had to end. I mean, I think, they're again, you know, with Gagano winning the title, uh, he had to get a victory, I feel, because there's only once in a while you can get around um, and keep losing, if you know what I mean. I think we've seen that too many right, times. Yeah. A bit like, exactly. Rand, you know, Rand York with McIntyre, even though I don't agree with it, you know, Um the same thing here i think priest is is like you said in this match just come across as a complete star yes johnny was leading him um throughout the match but they have great chemistry and uh, i thought it was really fun round the arena the only problem for my end was the fact that it kept going to we had like two or three adverts during this match and because i wasn't getting picture in picture it kind of ruined the pace a little bit
1: Oh, ah, okay i get that i get that um uh,
0: but Again, Johnny is a two-time North American champion. Very, very enjoyable match. Uh, what would you rate that match out of five? I know you're not happy with uh, Priest losing. Uh,
1: Yeah, I wasn't happy. Uh, also, I this is just my personal thing. Maybe it would have been closer to five stars if it didn't happen, but I'm not really the biggest fan of the interfering finishes. It has to make perfect sense to me, but I, I definitely still would give it a four out of five stars. I was definitely entertained. They and... and Honestly, for some of the bumps that they decided to to, uh, inflict on each other, they deserve every star I give. Like, that was it, was it, was really good. It was a really good match. And, uh, but yeah, my my complete star takeoff, like, maybe it's five, but I wouldn't give it five based on the fact that the finish may have been overbooked.
0: Yeah, I mean, and also with this, they've got kind of pay off in a way that uh, keeps us happy because if it's just even a no one or it doesn't make any sense, NXT's kind of kept with, you know, even though with injuries and stuff, they they kind of have like a a, a long-term planning, whereas this kind of felt they've just chucked it in there because they wanted priest, you know, kind of distraction and because it was Halloween. If it ends up being like Chumper, then great. That's part of the story, but it needs to pay off as well, I feel.
1: Exactly. The the reveal has to make some type of sense, or you need to explain the relationship between the masked figure and priest, or why would they cost them? Because if not, then it's going to really take away from the match.
0: Yeah, I think without doubt. I'm going to give that a three and three quarters out of five, only because like I said the adverts. If it didn't have adverts, then it would have been a four, just like you. We okay. then move on to our first clear shot of our in-house announcers, and Vic Joseph is dressed up as Waldo. He's pissed way Barrett isn't dressed because he's the one who wants to do a costume contest. Barrett says he is a costume as his favorite WWE superstar. Bad news, Barrett. And afraid he's got some bad news. Vic looks like an oh. idiot on Global TV, and he just won the contest. I mean, Barrett has settled in so nicely, hasn't he, in NXT?
1: Oh, he fit perfectly. He fit right in his... uh, I, And I'm not trying to compare him and Nigel, but it just reminded me like he seems so smooth at his job a lot that he reminds me of Nigel and, uh McGinnis's commentary because of how smooth and easy he was making and witty, but yeah, I love it. he's settled in perfectly, and you can see some of that you know bare personality that he had when in his some of his runs. In WWE, you can see it coming out uh, in, in commentary. I think him and Vic work really well together so far.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like a weird pairing, but it actually does work really well. Uh, we then see highlights of last week's main event. We see Pat McAfee and the new tag team champions enter the building. We see Finn, Pal- Finn Balor getting a superstar profile, but no news about his total reign. Uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, because we know that the injury to Finn Balor is, is pretty bad. With what happened with uh, Cross as well, do you think they need to strip battle of the NXT title, or do you think they do the right thing for just leaving it for a little while?
1: Uh, honestly, uh, right now uh, I don't. I'm I'm really on the fin- like I since it's taken away from it, and it was very seriously, ser- a very serious injury. Uh, I don't see why not, but I also understand not wanting to do this all over again because they just went through it, if you kind of, if you see what I'm saying, with Cross. So I kind of understand wanting to wait it out. But depending on how much longer Finn is going to have to, you know, be out, you know, what's the point? You know, you might as well take it, you know, so we can have an active champion on television. I'm always for getting the world champion around television. But, you know, I understand these, this is a unique circumstance and, you know, I get why not wanting to strip strip him and, you know, kind of do the whole, you know, new champion thing all over. I get it. It's such a quick turnaround. I understand not wanting to do it.
0: I I think with war games coming up, you know, and I think maybe they can get away with it a little bit. not having a champion there, but I think if it goes beyond that into the new year, maybe they'll they'll think to themselves, this is what we'll do. Uh, we see Cameron Grimes nervously pacing General Manager Winnie Regal comes up to him And tells him to head to the parking lot Where a van is waiting to take him to his haunted house of terror match Grimes is confused The ring is in the CWC And he thought Mr. Regal wants to have a match with Dexter Loomis He doesn't want to go to the parking lot It's the most dangerous place Regal doesn't care and ushers him out to see his ride Now I'm going to talk a lot about uh, Cameron Grimes Because I'm, I've not been a huge fan of him Right? I, I don't I, well, I don't know if it's the character. I don't know if it's just the way he is. But there's just something about him that's not worked. And I think tonight, or, yeah, you know, you're the first to say I just. You're like, not the first person I've heard of this. Yeah. So keep going. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm not, and, but tonight, especially, because the thing about this, especially this type of match, is you have to believe, or, you know, you have to believe. And I think with Grimes. Right. So Seeing him nervously pay, going, "Oh, actually, I don't want to do it," and I think what we see for the rest of the night with him, you're on his journey through this kind of crazy ride, and in the end, I was kind of pulling right. from him a little bit, you know, not to not any spoilers ahead or anything like that, but yeah, and and I think I've not seen that, and I thought, do you know what, Grimes is, is is actually doing quite a good job.
1: Yeah, see, I'm on the opposite end. He cracks me up <laughs> constantly. <laughs> Like, cause he was just like, he's so obliviously cocky that like, that's one that I really love about his character. Just like how, like, but he also seems to be self-aware enough to know like how to take advantage of what he can, what he can do. At least that's my interpretation of his character so far. But, uh, you're not the first person I've heard say that. And, uh, I agree. It, it, this, a similar thing happened as you watch this, uh, you know, unique situation. Place.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking about um, Pat McAfee, he was on the mic in the ring. and Of course, we know what happened last week on NXT with Danny Birch Lorcan, the tag team champions. He rags on the fans a bit and then launches into a slightly modified version of the promo, explaining his actions um, that we saw. He calls for mics for the and Brawlers, but he's interrupted by Kyle O'Reilly, and Kyle is alone. Uh, since every other member of the era is injured, but O'Reilly brought back up. It's Pete Dunn, and they change McAfee's guys to the apron with chairs and the bruiserweight blast. Dunn and the Brawlers beat down Kyle, and Pete breaks his fingers and stomps the elbow. And then the champ lifts him up. McAfee sets a chair up, lay DDT on it, and Pat tells Cauliflower Kyle that is undisputed. What did you think of this segment?
1: Ooh. Oh, man. Well, uh, this one! This one definitely blew up my Twitter feed of the night that that happened, man. I saw a lot of people having uh, a lot of things to say. Uh, and most of it positive from what I uh, saw. Like, it just, it's just, it's very, very uh, exciting to have uh, a, not only a new faction to kind of go, uh, to kind of combat the Undisputed Era as a faction, but also just in general to have these guys in a faction. Like, Pete, Pete is perfect. Uh, I heard nothing but great things about his heel run and how in his heel character work, so I can't wait to uh, get to see that weekly on NXT television. Uh, Dan, and like, again, like I told you, I love the fact that Pat McAfee is going to be kind of like, like the mouthpiece. He's uh, he's very, very good at at uh, at, he's he's very entertaining for someone who's not you know originally in from the business. He's really, really good on the mic. That's one, and obviously in his match with Adam Cole, he's capable in the ring too. So. Uh, also, I I wanted to consider if Ridge Holland would be in this group. Now, it didn't really seem like it the way Pat kind of talked about him, but would he be in this group uh, post-injury, depending on how long this group was to stay around? That's also an interesting addition. He can be the muscle of this group. And, you know, now you can maybe take this, this group potentially to go against Imperium or other – like, it, it's just – it's nice things. It's just it, – all it did was get my wrestling – you know, juice is flowing. If you see what I'm saying, my mind was going at the possibilities of how good this possibly be. So this possibly can be. So uh, I loved it. I loved every second of it. And Pete Dunn looked great. Uh, yeah. I think that's also been on the internet a lot. And des- he deserves the credit. He whatever he did in quarantine was he did the right thing. Perfect. It was perfect. Follow his uh, example.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can. think I think without that, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of things to cover just with this one thing. First and foremost. We should hate Pat McAfee, but damn it, that was a good promo. And his association with Lorcan and the Birch. great. Yeah, it will only help him. And I loved it. He managed to explain the whole situation, which made sense. And it wasn't kind of dumb or anything like this. He said it in his own way, where you kind of bought into it. You thought, yeah, that makes sense, actually. And like I said, Dunn yeah. is a guy, 700 days of NXT UK champion. We were lucky enough to see him uh, defend that championship. And a Hill Dunn is... Quite possibly just the, the scariest dude ever because the joint manipulation and he just doesn't stop. And, you know, Volta is, is, is a champion who's a kind of dominant champ, but done even for a guy his side. You know, like you have to go back to like a, I don't know, a Taz or, or someone like that back in the day for when he came out as champion you thought whoever the challenger was. He's going to make it. And, and I think, like you said, the association with, with Birch and Lorcan, and even if you get Holland in, and then you can push McAfee out as, like, the manager and actually have them as a foursome. Like you said, it just ticked every box, didn't it, you know? Oh, yeah, it worked out perfectly. Like, it, it definitely, like you said, I love the
1: explanation. Also, like, that's one thing that I will say to the WWE. Sometimes they, they'll lose you in the storytelling of the explanation of why certain things are happening you don't really understand why this happened. This one, like you said, I have no, you know, questions about it. It made complete sense and they all make sense together. That's also an important thing. Like you're just looking at them, this fits perfectly.
0: And not only that as well, but let's remember um, Roger Strong turned on Pete Dunne where they were a tag team to join the Unsputed Era. So if anybody questions why Pete Dunn done that, you've got two years of kind of story of saying he stewed on it and now he's come back to make his, you know, point. And if it leads to a War Games match between, you know, McAfee's team and the Unsputed Era, then that's going to be fantastic, you know? It will
1: It will be fantastic. And also, see, that's the only thing. That's probably the only thing. If I want the nitpick, my only problem with me is Kyle O'Reilly should have remembered that. Like, I don't understand why he thought Pete was completely on his side in that situation. That was the only thing. Like, he walked forward. He, did, for some reason, had a mind lapse and just thought Pete was just going to do the right thing, apparently. But, yes, Pete, in, like, in a storytelling sense, it made complete sense for Pete to, be, to, to turn on him at that moment. Because it actually made more sense than it did for him to help.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I think it was brilliant. Uh, We then head backstage and Mr. Eagle sends Grimes outside. A van rolls up with a zombie in the passenger seat. And Michael P.S. Hayes dressed in orange and black in the back. The Freebird cuts a Bad Street USA promo on Grimes. Then struts off, nudging Cameron into the van. Grimey says he hates rednecks as we head to a commercial. This was brilliant. At this moment, I'm having so much fun watching this program, you know?
1: Oh I agree. It was this is why I if if it's one thing that I will definitely say about it and I'm not even the biggest Halloween person. I'm not I really don't. Like the holiday is what it is, but it's it's just really not for me honestly. But I was into this. <laughs> and I was entertained at every moment. So they they definitely wrapped
0: me right around their finger. <laughs> Well, we we'll move on to our next match, and it's Jake Atlas versus Santos Escobar. And how did we get it? Well, Santos has dominated the Cruiserweight division. Atlas was the latest to try. What happened? Well, Escobar comes out in his Phantasma mask and Mysterio inspired tights, and Oak Wild and Ram Mendoza are with him. Uh, we've seen Seth Rollins' tribute uh, to Rey Mysterio, but I think definitely this one because it is show, it, I think it shows Mysterio's kind of. Um, Kind of size and the history to go into different generations now. Like it says, Santos is what one or two generations after, and it's inspired it. And I think this was a lovely tribute as well.
1: I agree, it was perfect. And I also think it fit. I loved it when Self did it, but I loved it even more on Santos Escobar because also you have to think about his character. His character is all about restoring, you know, uh, the legacy and the. Of, of of Luchador wrestling, so like of him paying homage to Rey Mysterio is even deeper than just Seth Rollins, you know, kind of being petted because he was fighting Ray's uh, son. Yeah. So uh, you know that that connection right there just makes it even uh, better, and it was just perfect. I agree, that was a very nice thing to see, especially uh, on a, on a Halloween Havoc stage, which is where he debuted. The, uh, the purple phantom gear so yeah it was
0: I, just, great. I just thought it was really really cool and then we get a quick kick at the bell that puts the cruiserweight champ in the driver's seat running double knees in the corner as escobar is just talking trash while kicking ass and that fires jake up he hits the cartwheel ddt but wild puts the champ's foot on the bottom jake with a toe that takes out the down fantasma he fights him but mendoza puts on the loaded lucha mask from a headbutt they send atlas back in for the phantom driver uh, what were your thoughts on this match? Uh,
1: I, I, uh, it was really, in my opinion, Now if you want to talk about a, a example that this was more of a television NXT, I think we both can agree that this wasn't dramatic or good enough to be on a takeover, in my opinion. Uh, like, his match with Isaiah Swearer Scott was a completely different style of drama and, you know, back and forth that this match was. Well, this match was a little bit quicker and... Uh, again, simple a simple a simple premise of Jake Atlas just being outnumbered. so uh this felt more in line with it being a regular NXT episode uh, match and uh it established like it shows more dominance for Santos Escobar and uh, you know his his uh the, the you know the group that he's in. but uh the match in quality wasn't anything special. And I gave it a two and a half out of five, basically just because it just seemed like something that I could see on any NXT episode.
0: Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. I think I'm going to have to give that a two and a half out of five. But there's no doubt Santos is really smooth. I like the character. There seems to be this confidence at the moment. We've seen it with kind of Andrade and um, and others as well. Santos has, has honed his craft. He's come to WWE now. Um, and like I said, if Lagazo Del Fantasma are treated right, they can have a huge impact on XT. But they need serious threats, and they need people to challenge. Like I said, the Swerve uh, match was brilliant because it was a guy we thought actually could get the job done. Uh, we've got to build up the cruiserweight division in XT, I think.
1: I, I agree 100%. I think if they, uh, you know, exa- add more depth to the, to the division or to the uh, pool of where the challenges is only going to make them look better as they thwart them off with their tactics or uh, also this another thing, he has the numbers advantage over everyone. So the more cruiserweights or, you know, possible contenders will also threaten the whole entire group more because right now they're able to go three on one with almost whoever, they're, uh, you know, he's fighting. So again, uh, a uh, more fleshed out cruiseway division will only uh improve you know the stories that can be told with uh Santos Escobar.
0: I think that. Uh quickly about Jake Atlas. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Cartwell DDT because I know a lot of people hate it. Me myself I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh yeah it looks good but I mean what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah I was just about to say it it, it looks good and I, I like uh I I like the concept of it. It's not a bad finisher either. Uh, I, I can understand why people don't like it, but you know uh, the thing that really gets him gets me a lot of times is that is now the cartwheel DDT. I thought the, the special part of a lot of the special thing that Jake Atlas had before he came to NXT was like he would call it the LGB DDT, which uh, not that they need not that a names which is gonna make people like the move. I'm just saying at least I, I, I like that little ode to something that was personal to him. That kind of get you know kind of helped more people relate to who he was but at the same time the move itself is probably just more you know more like you said great to look at I wouldn't say it's the most impactful or the most uh you know not not the best finisher you could possibly have I think people but have it, yeah
0: it's, it's, it's different enough. It's a positioning, I think, where you know certain wrestler has to be in that position to take it. But then again, there's a few anyway, and you can get through with a better setup, I think. And sometimes I agree.
1: If you can find a way to set it up, it'll be better. And also, it just also reminds people too of like another finisher I hated, which was I don't know. I think uh, uh, Alberto used it, uh, especially in his second run. And this is when the guy basically has to hold himself up just to get stomped on in the corner, if you see what I mean. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like you said, basically, you need the cooperation to do it. So, yeah, I understand the criticism of it. But there's a, a couple of moves that probably God. should be eradicated for looking like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they're if, we're, helping you.
0: <laughs> if we're doing that, then a leg yeah. drop and an elbow drop, you know, as finishing moves.
1: Yeah, no more Spanish flies, guys. <laughs> yeah. No more Spanish <laughs>
0: We get a video of Ember Moon talking about Dakota Kai's attack last week. She puts over Kai's development and says she has a sick kick, but she's not going to like the receipt. Blackheart's back and tells us the scares have just started. The Haunting House of Terror is next. And after a break, we see a Rivera-looking shot. See, kick to this night's cinematic match. So it's Grimes versus Loomis. How we got here? Well, this feud was started in a backstage segment when Grimes asked Loomis a question. Loomis just stared at him like a freak. They said to Grimes, Costa Loomis is shot for the NXT North American title. And really, really good made this match for Halloween Havoc. I mean, it's fair to say Dexter Loomis is a confusing character. NXT have been pushing him, but failed to get over with the audience. Grimes, however, has been getting over the crowd have yet to pull the trigger. What were your thoughts on Grimes? And obviously, because my opinion changed on Grimes. What were your opinion on Grimes and Dexter Loomis? Because he's some, a guy who, you know, has not been getting that positive reactions. Well,
1: honestly, I don't know how that's the it's the weirdest thing. Like I I like Dexter Loomis because it's so different. I love the concept of him basically being a stalker slash serial killer, but slash tortured artist. So like I like the complexity of all of that. And maybe that's just me. So I don't mind it. But it is weird that he is probably the one of the least likable people I've ever seen <laughs> ever try to be pushed <laughs> as a baby fake. Like he's it's like what what could you really latch on to other than the fact that he's completely different, like I did. That's pretty much it. That's the only thing I can give you that's a good baby face quality that that he has. Uh, and I don't and I also don't mind his ring work, it's pretty good, but he also has that arm triangle choke finisher, which is is as much as effective as it may be in choking people out. It really is one of the most the ha- one of the hardest moves to get over, in my opinion. Because yeah. you just land there holding someone <laughs> in that position, like even though you're choking them, is it's not like it's not an RKO, it's not a Claymore. You know, it's nothing cool to see. You're not gonna get hyped. like, oh, I can't wait to watch him do this. You know, <laughs> it's not really that type of finisher either. So I can't latch on to his move as much. So just- I really like just how different.
0: Loomis is. I just imagine. Some I don't understand now. why they're trying to,
1: today, but you know.
0: I just imagine someone saying like, "Look at those two guys not moving in the ring. That's incredible." <laughs>
1: <You> know, <like. laughs>
0: exactly.
1: Exactly. Uh, and like I said, Cameron Grimes, I, I already just really liked. He was just his character, uh, his finisher. Now, if you want to, as cool as that finisher is, we can talk about the dynamics of. Uh when when Cameron Grimes do a standing stomp, oh it's deaf, but Finn Balor jumps all the way, I gotta jump off the top rope, and you got certain guys who kick out of that, you know. Yeah. So that's <laughs> I do want to point out that. But that's that's a small thing, you know. Uh but again, uh, I like Cameron Grimes and I agree this car this thing only helped. But I also want to point out that this thing also helps establish what I already knew about Loomis all, being a creepy always-watching, like, stalker. Like, he fits the slasher flick monster perfectly, though. That's one thing I'll say. And the only thing he do is look.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Not too
1: many people can do that. <laughs> you know, just stare at you and get the point across that he's pretty scary. So I, I wouldn't give it that much.
0: Well, I watched that. I watched Dexter as well, so I could see what they're trying to go for in that kind of look, you know. And like I said, I'm... I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of it, but uh, y- you know what people are like sometimes. But like I said, it's the return of the cinematic wrestling. As Ryan wanders across the lawn, screaming warnings to Loomis, who we see sitting in a tree uh, again. <laughs> just yeah, sitting in the tree. Uh, Cameron as a house which looks. Yeah, looks like the place Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt had the House of Horrors match in. He gets spooked by a deer head and we see Dexter entering behind him. A zombie ref in a corner scares Grimey and Loomis attacks. Grimes escapes into a bathroom where he sees a woman showering. And of course, he's going to look for some sexy time, isn't he? And uh, he's going (laughs) to... And unfortunately, he pulls the curtain back to reveal a demon lady. He backs into a window that Loomis grabs him through and grinds backs into what he thinks the zombified uh, Caden Carter looked like. That gets a two-by-four. It looks to turn the tide. But then he wanders into a room with multiple demon women. He fights them off and runs to the van to escape. But Loomis is in the driver's seat. And like I said, Loomis doesn't have to do a lot. That just one look. When he gets into the van, right. yeah, Loomis just stares at him. You're thinking, "Oh, great!" <laughs> and then he he runs off into the night. It looks like this match is going to be continued. What are your thoughts on that so far?
1: Okay, first of all, uh, they they were perfect for this cinematic style. And again, like I just said, Loomis not having to do much, don't have to say anything. Loomis doesn't even have a weapon. He's not even like most slasher fl- slasher flick you know, uh, monsters who got like a, mach- like Jason has the machete or whatever, you know, the hook that some of them have, whatever it is. He doesn't even have a weapon. He's scary just looking <laughs> at you. So uh, I will say he fits that perfectly. Cameron did not get consent to uh, try to uh, <laughs> to, to, try to make his pass at the contortionist demon lady. So uh, I got to give credit. You, you contortionist women. I mean even anytime I see a contortionist in general I'm impressed but man it looks so creepy like <laughs> <He> did such, <laughs> such a, a great job how, like how do you do it I don't get it but it worked it worked perfectly uh and I do have to say this is what I wrote literally in my notes WTF am I watching like what am I watching that's really what all I had to say like what is going on
0: I mean like I says I'm, I'm watching this and you I'm just so into it I'm kind of forgetting what I'm watching, but I'm like, this is just so much fun. And Grimes is acting and selling. Uh, he yeah. did such a fantastic job. I was like, come on, Grimes, because I'm following him. And I go, come, get out of the house. And then when Loomis is there, I'm like, "Ah!" Oh. And like it's, it was just, again, it hit every note it needed to hit, you know? Yes,
1: for something that worked so well on levels of, like... Uh, of like letting you root for Cameron and all of that, like he definitely wanted, like you wanted. Okay, get out, you gotta go. Or why you do that? I do. I must say that he, first of all, he got away. Most most people in slash and flicks don't. <laughs> so he, he achieved uh, a really good standard in the horror world, of course. And I just have to, I have to say, for something that's that was supposed to be scary, I found myself laughing and loving, like you said, loving and enjoying this way more than I should have. So I, I have to give them props. And that's just the first part.
0: I was going to say, even if 2 be continued, I was like, yes, there's going to be more of it, as opposed to, oh, they're stopping it there. You know, I think that's brilliant. Yeah,
1: yeah it was great. It was really well done.
0: All right, so match three will continue. So we're on to match four, and it's Ray Ripley versus uh, Raquel Gonzalez. How we got it? Well, for months now, a feud has been brewing between the two most powerful women in the NXT. Ray Ripley and Gonzalez are as strong as they come, and um, they clashed in battle roles. They clashed in tag team matches, but right now it's their first singles encounter. Uh, we get a tailor of the tape. Ray Ripley's five foot ten, uh, of course, using the riptide. She's a brawler and fearless. And Gonzalez is six foot, one arm power bombs finisher, aggressive and powerhouse. Um, I mean, the NXT women's division is fantastic. Uh, I was really looking forward to this because usually it's the two... The kind. You know, when you get like uh, two power men going against each other, this time it was about the women. Uh, were you excited for this match beforehand?
1: Oh, yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think you just pointed out something that I wrote in my notes about just loving to see... Like, the, the bigger women usually fight, you know, more you know, traditionally sized women or smaller women, uh, you know, in these situations. And we see that match all the time. So when you see two – we see the two athletic specimen and guys, all, you know, those type of matches, we've we've had many of those matches. Uh, But to see – to get to see this angle of this match, the same way I kind of felt when Charlotte and Bianca Belair were fighting or when Charlotte and Rio fought at WrestleMania, Mm -hmm. it's always good to see this type of – Match when they're just two awesome athletes, you know what I mean? And uh, I also have to commend these ladies also for the match not being uh slow, like I like you may expect a lot of times when people are you know the bigger you expect the match it may be slowed down or kind of boring, but the pacing and the work rate of those two ladies, man, they, they really they really brought it.
0: Well, without a doubt. I mean, the ref had a hard time keeping these two black clad brawlers apart, and neither one were getting the upper hand during the early goings on to fight, getting the offense in. They trade slaps in the middle of the ring, then they get to a clubbing, which is, again, was again, an awesome scene to see. She sends the goat guys heated to the floor, but her next move gets caught and slammed into the plexiglass fence, which, again, was Ooh. a really sick move, especially with Ripley's size. You know, oh, you're me. going, oh my word, what's going on there, you know? Um, it was that that spot was
1: i was shocked and i agreed the the impact of it when you see uh like you said someone taking that right on the right in the back like that it was just it was it was definitely a, a, a tough spot and uh again something we don't see often in women's wrestling especially in wwe.
0: About that, right, we'll go to our break. When we're back, Gonzalez sets Rhea up for a superplex, but Ripley fights it up. Rhea tries for the riptide from there, but can't hold it. They brawl, and uh, Raquel eventually flips the Nightmare to the mat for the top. That's still when he gets a two. Scooped up for a powerbomb. Ripley counters into a head scissors That sounds Raquel into the turnbuckles. Riptide follows it, and that is it. I mean, a fantastic closing sequence there as well. A brilliant match. What are your thoughts?
1: Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, I really... Uh, loved uh, just the slugfest that this match was, and how physical it was, and also I think of uh, the right woman one, won. and uh, it's just I really want to point this out. I think I uh, I tweeted this, but I'm not sure. But it's always it was great to see Rhea in the star making role in this in this match. You know we she's established. And, uh, you know, she's done done pretty much what you need. She's has NXT champion, NXT uh, UK women's champion. She's done everything you could do at this level already. So she's bringing Raquel up to her level and showing what Raquel can do in the ring. And uh, I really like how this match established Gonzalez as more than just Dakota Kai's muscle. It shows that she can go in the ring and, you know, you can give her, give her 10, 15... 20 minutes, and she's capable of putting on entertaining uh, matches. And I found out that they were that they are uh, actually close friends. So that also showed me explain why they were so smooth, yeah, and how you can yeah, tell they they trusted each other. For people that you haven't like, usually that's what I like to see, especially in unique matchups when you haven't seen them fought, fight before or work together before. I would like to see like how well do they work together, and when a, a, a tandem that hasn't really fought a big program on television before gets together and they have a great chemistry just right off the, off the bat. A lot of times that speaks to their uh, relationship because we've known that some of the best friends throughout wrestling history can just put on some of the greatest competitive matches. So uh, I think we saw a little bit of that and I, I gave this match three and a half out of five.
0: I I would agree with you there and I think Ray wouldn't have taken a power bombs to somebody she didn't trust and like I said it came out in the match Ripley should be on the main roster Uh, she was ready at Wrestlemania against Charlotte uh, but having her NXT is still great like I said when two heavyweights are going at it you just want it for me personally I just want move for move I just want to see going at it it's a great story of uh, like we said Gonzalez's power Really enjoyed the match. She lost nothing in defeat. I mean, she's still a little green, but Ripley putting a great performance and leading it as well is only going to help her when she moves up to the main roster. Uh, you go at three and a half. I'm going to give that three and three quarters out of five because again, it delivered more than I was expecting. You know,
1: I agree, I agree 100%. I thought it would be pretty good, but was not expecting it to uh, be the roller coaster. It became like I. For example, looking at the cards, you, pr- you couldn't tell me that Santos and Atlas wouldn't be better than this. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Just 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 glancing at the cards. But watching the way it went out, they definitely put on a much better performance, in my opinion, than that match.
0: Yeah, I think without a doubt. Well, we then see Grimes running down a deserted road to the CWC as we go to a break. And then we get back. Drake Maverick is dressed as Hulk Hogan. And Cutler Promo is interrupted by Mackenzie Mitchell. He gets caught between the Giant and the Yeti. And then the Shockmaster comes through the curtain. That's and Dane, who refuses to trip like Drake set it up. They run down all the stuff Drake's planned. That He puts on the helmet as Dane laughs at him and he trips over. Uh, Well, Drake is fantastic in a ball pairing. But this had a little bit of everything as well, didn't it?
1: Oh, yes. It was great to see not only... Uh we like you said Drake has established not only in WWE but everywhere uh Drake has been, he has been been able to be hilarious in ways that like I I, I love Drake Merrick. He's always gonna be able to crack me up. He's just he's great at it. But to see Killian Dane, to see the references to the Yeti or the shock, like shock master references in general. If you're a uh, if you're a hardcore fan, it, in my estimation, especially if you have a knowledge of uh, of wrestling, the shockmaster just seeing that gear can make me laugh because all I think about is the uh, is poor John Tenta uh, in, <laughs> in that situation. But uh, it was just great. It was great. Uh, even even and this is and this is me personally. This is my personal thing. I don't even acknowledge Hulk Hogan as Hulk Hogan anymore. I just called him Terry. So even the fact that Drake, the fact that Drake can make me laugh dressed like Terry, is just shows you how much I like Drake.
0: Maverick. I, I think that is yeah. I think that is the best thing. Uh, the thing about Maverick that just makes him so goddamn likable. Uh, we then move on to our next. Okay. Well, continue our next match: Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis. He's in a. Up, being pursued by the zombie demon girls he backs into the ring where Loomis slides in behind him, the fog machine is working overtime and then Dex is hitting his big moves Uh, a spy buster ends a brief Grimes come back and the zombies come to Loomis side as he enters the ring, one is driven off with a cave in but another comes up behind while another, I think it's Casey Cantazaro, climbs Loomis and I'd say climb, I can't really do it justice because it looks so freaky didn't it, you know
1: Oh my goodness! That was the anything but just a, a normal jump on the back. Like she looked like she looked like she was infesting him in a way. <laughs> like that's the way that the movement was. it was that like erratic and it, it, it looked it looked gnarly. It definitely looked gnarly.
0: He then throws there onto Grimes. He hits her outside, out and locks into silence. And uh, Dexter Loomis wins. And then zombies crawl towards the unconscious Grimes as Loomis stares into the camera while the end appears in the – on the screen. Um, Again, thoughts on this.
1: I have to say, uh, the only criticism that I have for this entire thing, I just got one question for Cameron Grimes. Why would you go back to the only place – the only other place that Dexter would know to find you? You guys work together. So why would you go back to the CWC? <laughs> Like if I want, if you want to look at it from like a from an outsider's point of view, if you're really trying to get away, like no, you don't go back to, to the place that <laughs> sent you this up in the first place. But anyway, it like I'm just saying, if my workplace sent me to a place that, that that ended up looking like that, and Dexter tried to kill me, I'm not going back to work.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna send I'm a sorry. very very strongly worded email. That's what I will send about current work conditions. Exactly. But... <laughs> right. Exactly. They may get a subpoena. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean... Right. Yeah. Lawsuit or something. Like, that ain't right. That you know, you're,
0: you're in trouble. You... But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think the thing... But, can... uh,
1: I, I have... huh?
0: Go ahead. Well, I was about to say, with Grimes, it made me want to see more of him. I mean, he gave everything he could in that to kind of sell it as you know you could have had like to talk about a shopmaster moment but this was kind of for a cinematic match for it to be so silly Grimes I think pulled it in and we took I took it seriously because of him you know
1: I agree a hundred percent he sold it every step of the way genuinely looked scared uh through the entire uh cinematic process. I, I, I really liked it. Uh, I gave it five out of five just for being fun, not really on a match rating basis, but just I enjoyed every second of it. It was all it was just fun through the entire thing. And uh, I just have to say this. I also love the fact that when Dexter won, he stood up and kind of just uh, with the contortionist or the women around him like that. The imagery was just perfect. Like he, like I don't, I don't, I don't think they know how much he fit that. It's scary how much he fit that role. <laughs> like he just, it, it, it was perfect. It, it ended perfectly.
0: So yeah, I said it, the the match itself was everything that we expected. Uh, I'm gonna give that a four and a quarter out of five. I know you gave it five out of five. I think it was, like you said, a fantastic uh, sequence and match. You know. I
1: agree a hundred percent. Definitely. Uh, it, it, like I said, it clicked all the bells for me. I, if you can make not only make me laugh and everything can make sense In what was going on, uh, you know, other than a few little things, maybe
0: uh, it's perfect, especially in a cinematic
1: format like
0: that. I think without a doubt. So uh, we move on, and up next, Chumper cuts uh, a fantastic promo about facing Dream next week, and saying NXT is different; it's not the same as he remembers. Uh, I, I, I really, really enjoyed Chumper. Uh Again, is he a guy that should be up on the main roster now, or do you think he just fits NXT well?
1: First of all, I really also loved. He was speaking the truth in that promo. It was really, I, I really, really liked it. I was invested in that promo uh, a lot. But do I think uh, he? I think he's just NXT through and through. I mean, I would love it. Let's just be honest. He deserves it. He's ready for it. He would kill it. On either brand, uh, if, if he's allowed to do what he, you know, does best, that's the problem with anybody in NXT, though, right now, who comes up. Will they be allowed to do what we have seen that they have proven that they could do on NXT television, on the main roster? And that's the problem. Like, even, even as much as I love Tommaso Ciampa now as a character, one year on the main roster, he could be completely different. He can just be Ciampa. <laughs> Instead of Tommaso Champa. <laughs> and then we're wondering, oh my goodness, what is going on? And, you know, now he's Shorty Champa or something. It's just like, they can just, it's so much that could possibly happen once you go to the main roster. So uh, I think he's perfect for NXT. I think he would kill it if the situation is right. But, you know, a lot of things go into the situation being right on the main roster. So. I don't know. But I think uh, he definitely would deserve to be on the main
0: roster. I think without that, I think he is uh, a main event player. And speaking of the main event, it is the main event next. And it's EF Shai versus Candice LeRae for the NXT Women's Championship. How did we get it? Well, Shy betrayed LeRae on June in 2019 before beating her in a great match to take over Toronto 2. They faced off two months later. And then again at Takeover recently with a new act, you Candice still come up short. The promo video for the main event were awesome. Uh, what are your thoughts on EO Shy and Candice Ray before this match?
1: Just love the uh, the history they they uh, you know they're gonna do call but they did callbacks in this match to their long uh, you know history. I, I I think the world of both of these uh, women for completely different reasons. Like EO, like I said once before, badass, cool, just just great. Just a, just a, just just the coolest character for both. Like, that's the reason why her heel turn on Candice LeRae really didn't last long at all because she's so cool that that heel turn turned her right back baby face quickly. It didn't take that long after the program uh, with Candice LeRae to where she was pretty much back being adored by the fans. And Candice LeRae, just, first of all, every match she has, she's going to do something where I'll be like, you know what, she's tougher than me. She's just absolute. she takes unbelievable bumps, as we we will get into. And also, she's just great. Honestly, I didn't think that this would work in this role. I thought she was perfect as the gutsy babyface who overcomes or who comes just short. I thought she was perfect there. But I think this match proved that she can be – good on the other side too. I think she still has a little bit more to prove as far as a a heel on NXT television to see how far she can go. But I think, I think, you know, uh, this match and just her character in general right now is in a really good place, especially along with Gargano's now as champion.
0: And I think leading into the main event with Gargano's champion, it made you think, well, hang on a minute here. Maybe it's just written in the stars, you know?
1: I agree 100%. I think that was the reason why Gargano, not, you know, deep. I'm not saying they don't have any long term plans for Gargano. Of course, I hope they do. But I believe that's one of the aspects of why he won because immediately that plans to see that, okay, Candace LeRae is going to win. Or, and if she doesn't win, wow, you know, what what is it going to take? <laughs>
0: I think without a doubt The entrances were great And of course Poppy was there for Eo's entrance And then Blackheart's final spin Gives us tables, ladders and scares So we get into the match And the champ attacks at the bell And kicks the ray for the ring And follows with a dive Candace pulls out a table But there's a bag on it She dumps it out And it's a bloody mannequin body parts And the ray is spooked And Eo attacks with some arms At first I thought Oh, what's that? Why are they doing it? And then I thought, well, it is table, ladders, and scares. So I suppose it's there in the match title, you know. <laughs>
1: exactly. Uh I misheard Shotzi at first and thought she said tables, ladders, and stairs. So I was just like, Well, why they go throw... what what's that? Why did they <laughs> go stairs? So then when the when the arm pop up, you know, the uh my fiance told me at the time, no, she said scares. And that was a perfect example that it was supposed to be scary. So yeah, I was <laughs> confused until <laughs> the arms popped up. I guess.
0: <laughs> well, we get a ladder come out. The Ray fights free and smashes her laptop in Shy's face. The Poison Pixie sets up a ladder from the desk to the ring, and here comes Io with a chair that she throws in Candice's face. The Ray is driven into the ring steps with knees, and Eugenia's the Sky gets more chesting. She stops the Candice comeback with one and loads up the ring. With chairs, suplex on the champ on the floor as we go to a break. And the ladder is finally set up under the belt by Le Ray. but EO cuts off a climb. They broke with EO finally going for a moonsault, but she missed and hit her knees on the chairs that she thrown a- earlier. Again, the, the risks that these women were taking, when you consider it's not a takeover and it's just a special episode of NXT and putting the bodies on the line, uh, are, are, again, just so, so enjoyable. Um, we then see uh, double knees against the ladder, Candice sets up early, uh, we see the ladder falling on Shi'ai, both women are fighting through pain when the he climbs and he hits with a palm strike at least, Candice lifelessly draped over the top then rather than climb for the wind low, Io sets up two chairs and goes for a superplex Candice fights up but gets caught in the rope, Shi'ai traps the foot in the chair and twists it again, really innovative move, I thought that was, you know I was like, whoa, I don't think that before or haven't seen it in quite a long time, you know?
1: I was definitely very creative. They were pulling out all the stops. They wanted people to remember uh, this ladder match and uh, I think they definitely achieved that goal. Because uh, if it's one thing I will remember this match for is the toughness, the toughness that they exemplified in this match. Like They were like, oh my goodness, they put themselves
0: over as some really tough ladies. Well, not only that, you know, like I so said, Candice then hit the swinging net breaker through the tables. Uh, you know, they broke two tables. But for me, I'm thinking, oh, uh, you know, like that's not too bad. But it's the punishment they've taken the rest of the match. You're going, oh, I'm kind of discrediting that a little bit. You know, we then see the hooded figure from the match one uh, roll into the ring and help her up the ladder. But here comes Shotzi. She takes out the scream mask intruder. The two ladders are set up, and they're both up. Candice spikes the champs' fingers sent to the mat. At that point, I thought, oh, here comes Candy. Uh, here comes Candice. But EO pushes the ladder over and sends her crashing through the ladder set up across the table earlier. Ooh. It looks like she goes knee-first into it. I just put here, oh, my God. Just, oh my man. what the fuck? Do you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, between that suplex on the chair, that they, that, that,
1: the suplex on the chair – you know, like you said, it make a table bump. Some of the stuff they did, the moon, the moon moonsault onto the chairs, make make the table bump seem like it was nothing. And just going through the ladder towards the end, like I said, I have there's no way I can come out of this match without giving Candice LeRae her props for just being tough as hell. Like that is unbelievable. That spot at the end was yeah yeah yeah. Uh, like you said, if I may, we may think it was an NXT episode. No one told these two ladies that it wasn't a takeover because they went for it.
0: Uh, someone ring the police because they've just stolen the show. There, I tell you that it was unbelievable. I mean, look, we talked about EO, is so cool, uh, but so consistent. And this feud kind of reminds me of Jerry Lynn and RVD. You know, when one person usually came out on top, but it was just the chemistry right. and the delivering of great, great matches. I mean. What a match. You talk about a takeover-worthy main event. This was it, wasn't it, you know?
1: I agree 100%. It was definitely main event worthy. Uh, you know, again, I'm not a Halloween person, but they put a lot of effort in. They, the ladder. I like the uniqueness of the latter color. I like even, I think it was like a, a chalk outline on the table yeah. that kind of cracked <laughs> me up. Like, they were doing what they did. What they They really did try to fit that aesthetic. So I love that, but like man, there's no way you can come from that match and not just say those ladies are to it. don't first of all, it, this place is in my opinion, like this matches like this should show you why EO is like a lot of people are saying she's the best in the world right now. And I'm I can't I cannot I'm not saying she is, I'm not saying she isn't, but I understand that sentiment because of stuff like this. Like you said, she's unbelievably consistent. She, she's deserving, and that's the reason why. Uh, honestly, I believe that Candice hasn't prevailed. It's just like it's, it's almost like you're going against this overwhelming force. If you see what I'm saying, uh, in a way, you know, uh, I watch a lot of New Japan, so it, it reminds me kind of like when Okada wrestles. Like, yeah, Okada may lose here, may lose there, but you know, at the end, ultimately, spe- uh, especially since like 2012, he's gonna prevail. <laughs> yeah, and that's what a lot of what Eo does champion now reminds me of, like, yeah, it may look tough. She may have the odds against her, but she will still find a way to moonsault you and win that match or, you know, prevail at the end, like in this match. So it it was just great. It was unbelievable. I gave it four uh, and a half out of five. But really, honestly, it, you can't I – can, I can make it five out of five, and I wouldn't feel bad. I'm trying to remember what I took the half off. Or the more now that I think back on it, it was just that good. Like it was perfect. It was it was close to a perfect mag- match as you, as you can get. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Again, I didn't like. Uh, see, I don't know if that was the guy who helped Gorgano or actually Gorgano this time because the way he picked up Candice, he didn't seem as big as the first guy. But I don't remember. Uh, I don't. I don't know for sure. So I'm just assuming. But either way, all, I didn't really care for that inclusion. Uh, And, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. My bias as a Damian Priest fan is why it's four and a half. I'm so mad that shot that Shotzi decided to help EO. But she didn't th- – where were you, Shotzi? Come on, man. Where were you from the brother, you know, messed up Priest? I'm not – now, again, that person seemed bigger, so I don't know. I don't think she's going to electric chair the six-foot-three guy or whatever he was, but still. But- <laughs> like – where is it? We need, I need the inclusion. Don't help out EO. Uh, I, maybe she learned from what happened uh, to Damien. So that's why she helped EO. But still, I'm just saying <laughs> it would have been nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I completely get your point. And, but I, I feel, you know, even with Shotzi's uh, interference and even remembering now, like the black and orange ladders, just affect think the cold setting, it was just kind of, you know, perfect the way it ended. Um, so, like I said, the match, it, it will be our match of the night. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, what were your thoughts okay. on Jotsi as a host? Do you think she did a good enough job? Did they give her enough to do? Uh, I think I would have liked to see more involvement.
1: It would have been even better if she would have had her own little, maybe not cinematic, but maybe backstage thing uh, going on with something. But uh, honestly, she did do uh, what I, she was meant to do, and it was perfect. Like, her, her aesthetic, everything about it, her actions, uh, the way she fit that host theme perfectly. And I must give her, must have to say this, she was definitely uh, something, like, oh, my goodness, she was killing it. Like, she was styling in those in those uh, <laughs> costumes. Like, this was, a, like, real, like, I don't know, uh, if you ever watch, like, award shows, the host, a lot of times, just, they have different outfits uh, for every time they're going to come out. To introduce something, and that's what it felt like, but in a you know Halloween creepy kind of way that fits Shotzi so perfect. It was just, it was just great. It was it was really good. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they always I can always use more Shotzi Blackheart.
0: <laughs> well, I think you know if uh, overall, if we're looking at kind of our match for the night is going to be uh, the lather match, of course, the main event, uh, the man or woman of the night. I'm going to have to give it to Cameron Grimes because, like I said. I've not been a huge fan of his stuff, but it made me want to check out more of him and see what he's up to because he, like I said, I was on his side during the whole thing and uh, it'll be interesting to see what he can do in the future as well, you know?
1: I agree 100% with that. Uh, uh, you know, it's hard for me not to give it to EO or Candace or like just both ladies for surviving, <laughs> much less putting on that show. Uh, the fact that – the fact that, as a matter of fact, that's what I'll say. The fact that both of those ladies not only gave us a, that classic match but survived unscathed that I know of so far, you have to give those girls uh, another, you know, whatever you want to say, round of applause, credit, whatever it is, you have to give it to them. They deserve it.
0: I think without a doubt. And, I mean, we talk about a rating out. Joel NXT has put on a takeover-worthy show to beat AEW, but they used the women's division, which is the strongest in wrestling and undercard guys on this show. There wasn't kind of massive main event talent, uh, but the way it worked was brilliant. I mean, NXT's problem has been, like I said, long-term booking with the injuries. Let's like Balor can return, obviously with Cross, and they can build the men's uh, men's singles and tag team division as well. But in my eyes, with this event, I mean, what a main event. It was better for them than it take over 30 and 31. Just because I think um, with this the main event truly delivered, and as a show from about Halloween, it was there was nothing wrong with it. I've watched this show twice in its entirety, you know, like, and I probably will watch it this time next year. That's how great I think this show was. So I'm going to give it a nine and a quarter out of ten. Oh man, what a what
1: a, what a great rating! That's perfect. Uh... You know what? I will I will have to agree. I may have to say stick more at nine. But definitely uh, with your overall explanation, oh, man, it was perfect as far as the theme within the context of winning. Like you said, if you could watch it again on Halloween, it would fit perfectly. It was an all-around perfect show. Honestly, this is – and I'm not trying to say I'm just some great Nostradamus or, like, whatever psychic – but honestly, it's after I watched that show because I watched it all the way through and uh, live that night. I knew it was it would win the ratings, and I had only watched a little bit of AW at that point. And the only reason why is because that was the first time watching it live. Where I was watching NXT, and they hooked me through multiple commercial breaks to where I was like, I ain't, I'm not worried about. What's on AEW, I watch it because I was recording it, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So, I have to say, I have to give NXT that problem because they put a, a complete, cohesive show that made me want to see okay, what, what are they going to do next? And that's that it was just perfect. And from that retrospect, so I have to agree, I give it more of a nine out of ten, but I uh, uh agree with your takeaway that it, it fit perfectly and it, it, it went it flowed well and it was very in the main event. Come on. That main event, you could put it uh, up against many other classic matches in NXT history, and I think it, it'll it hold its own uh, with those matches. So, yeah, I like it. I like that. It was a really, really good
0: show. I think without a shadow of a doubt. And like you mentioned, the ratings as well. Well, for the first time in several weeks, NXT did score a ratings victory over Dynamite. Uh, Brian Alvarez. Said that Dynamite averaged 781,000 viewers during its two hour show and NXT got 876,000 viewers. Uh, of course, Dynamite was the second to last episode prior to full gear pay per view. Of course, a lot took place there, uh, but I think it's no surprise. Uh, finally, do you think because a lot of times back in the day with WCW and WWE? WSW were putting on a lot of big shows at that time To try and win the ratings for that week As opposed to WWF were trying to go along with their story And just trying to build that Is that a case with NXT and AEW at the moment? Where AEW just going about their business And NXT have to, like Great American Bash Or Halloween Havoc Have to put these great shows Is that a problem? Or is it not? Because if we're getting great show- shows Then what's that's the problem? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what are your thoughts? I think,
1: barring maybe some injuries in certain situations, uh, the difference here is I don't think uh, NXT is putting on these shows just for the sake of it, storyline wise. Like most of the time, other than uh, maybe, maybe uh, like we said, I think we both talked about NXT Takeover Thirty, uh, the, the the last one before this one. Uh, we thought we talked about that kind of seeming rushed at the time and all of that. But I don't believe – I still don't believe any of the stories were uh, lost in that. WCW lost a lot. Like, not only were they trying to put on the bigger shows, they their entire mid to undercard was basically completely glossed over <laughs> for a while, you know, within that. So that's another mistake they made along with it. I think NXT are trying to put on big shows, but they're, they're staying within – their stories for the most part barring like, you know, the injury or another thing that AEW just don't have to deal with is call up uh, for the big part of this battle weekly Keith Lee and people like Keith Lee, Mia Yim, these people were on NXT, uh, you know, going to war against AEW and now they're on the main roster, Matt Riddle, they're on the main roster now. And that's something that AEW don't have to deal with. So, uh, you do have to always take that into account, too, uh, when thinking about what NXT decides to do to combat Dynamite. But I do agree some of that is definitely going on because it seems like AEW is more of like in the slow burn story mm-hmm. telling, uh, you know, they more they like to slow burn theirs a lot more than so far what NXT likes to do.
0: Yeah, I think we're without a doubt. We do ask everybody, what was the better show? Uh, and NXT actually won the poll. I think it's the first time in about three months that NXT has actually won the poll, 54% to 46%. A couple of comments, Armishman says, NXT has put on a pay-per-view level event in order to beat AEW. But so what? We really enjoyed it. Uh, Nikki fan forever said NXT, but AEW was also good at WrestleBuzz. So I felt like people vote before they watch both. I think that's true because AEW has won a lot recently. And at how Rouse says NXT was not better. Come on, the Cardinals week compared to AEW. That is what I'm talking about. I, like I said, we love your comments, but it's a difference of opinion. Halloween Havoc smashed it out of the park um, this week. I don't think Agreed. there's any doubt about it. Um, so, and I also...
1: Uh, I, I, that I do not think that we always have to uh, jump on the... Uh, just because one put on a better show... This week, that means that, you know, whatever uh, assertion that most people want to make, if you see what I'm saying. Like, that's not always the case. You can still enjoy the show, even if the viewership was lower this week. Like, uh, at the end of the day, like you said, the most important thing is we get get two very high-quality wrestling shows on the same night that, at the end of the day, as wrestling fans, we all can sit back and enjoy. So, we all win, honestly, even uh, when the ratings come out. It's all a victory for us. Wrestling hasn't been this hot. I remember, if you remember the late 2000s to early 2010s period of wrestling, trust me, this is just beautiful for you, <laughs> yeah. what's going on now. I, I remember those days when you were just forced to watch whatever, you know, they vomited out there. You know, we got more alternatives now. Like, wrestling is killing it. So we should just love the fact that millions of people are, you know, coming together to watch wrestling, no matter what brand it is uh, throughout the week on Wednesdays now, yeah, you know, so I think we that, get
0: that out. Yeah. no, I, honestly, I think that's a great kind of final point. He like said with the WNR, we do both as well. Our next episode is going to be AEW Full Gear, joined by the Ultimate One. But that is it for today. Don't forget across all social media on Twitter at the WNR Podcast. I'm at the WNR JR. Uh, our follower is at Fullerton Hakeem uh, on Twitter. What do you want to plug your Twitter quickly? Yes, at Mind Monty Pod, uh, my, I'm Monty G from the
1: Mind and Monty Podcast. Give us a listen. Uh, we discuss uh, the main roster, AEW, NXT, and New Japan Pro Wrestling, while also giving you a little bit of a taste inside the life of a graduate student who is struggling with trying to not lose his mind. I think that's entertaining stuff right there. Anyway,
0: thank you guys, and, uh,
1: check me out if you ever get a chance.
0: Shout out. Check them out. Really, really good stuff. We're across all the Google platforms. You can send us an email, the WNR Podcast at gmail.com. We're on YouTube, WNR Podcast, all the latest clips podcast Got the same time on YouTube as we do SoundCloud on your phone, also Stitcher and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So that's it. Like I said, our next episode is AEW Full Gear with the Ultimate One. Today, I was joined by Amanda Monty. Are you up for coming back for NXT uh, TakeOver War Games? Oh, definitely. I, I just let me know and we can
1: connect and definitely do a review. I would love to join.
0: Well, it's been fantastic having you on today. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. I've had a blast and everybody listening as well. I'd just like to say thank you, everybody, and bye. Adios.